0: Chapter One of the Girl from Montana. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gail Mattern. The Girl from Montana by Grace Livingston Hill. Chapter One The Girl and a Great Peril. The late afternoon sun was streaming in across the cabin floor as the girl stole around the corner and looked cautiously in at the door. There was a kind of tremulous courage in her face. She had a duty to perform, and she was resolved to do it without delay. She shaded her eyes with her hand from the glare of the sun, set a firm foot upon the threshold, and with one wild glance around to see whether all was as she had left it entered her home, and stood for a moment shuddering in the middle of the floor. A long procession of funerals seemed to come out of the past and meet her eye as she looked about upon the signs of the primitive, unhallowed one which had just gone out from there a little while before. The girl closed her eyes and pressed their hot, dry lids hard with her cold fingers, but the vision was clearer even than with her eyes open she could see the tiny baby sister lying there in the middle of the room so little and white and pitiful and her handsome careless father sitting at the head of the rude homemade coffin sober for the moment and her tired disheartened mother faded before her time dry-eyed and haggard beside him but that was long ago almost at the beginning of things for the girl there had been other funerals the little brother who had been drowned while playing in a forbidden stream and the older brother who had gone off in search of gold or his own way and had crawled back parched with fever to die in his mother's arms but those two seemed long ago to the girl as she stood in the empty cabin and looked fearfully about her they seemed almost blotted out by the last three that had crowded so close within the year the father who even at his worst had a kind word for her and her mother had been brought home mortally hurt an encounter with wild cattle a fall from his horse in a treacherous place and had never roused to consciousness again at all these funerals there had been a solemn service conducted by a travelling preacher when one happened to be within reach and when there was none by the trembling determined untaught lips of the white-faced mother the mother had always insisted upon it, especially upon a prayer. It had seemed like a charm to help the departed one into some kind of a pitiful heaven. And when, a few months after the father, the mother had drooped and grown whiter and whiter, till one day she clutched at her heart and lay down gasping, and said, Good-bye, Bess, mother's good girl, don't forget, and was gone from her life of burden and disappointment forever. The girl had prepared the funeral with the assistance of the one brother left. The girl's voice had uttered the prayer, Our Father, just as her mother had taught her, because there was no one else to do it, and she was afraid to send the wild young brother off after a preacher, lest he should not return in time. It was six months now since the sad funeral train had wound its way among sagebrush and greasewood, and the body of the mother had been laid to rest beside her husband for six months the girl had kept the cabin in order and held as far as possible the wayward brother to his work and home but within the last few weeks he had more and more left her alone for a day and sometimes more and had come home in a sad condition and with bold merry companions who made her life a constant terror and now but two short days ago they had brought home his body lying across his own faithful horse with two shots through his heart. It was a drunken quarrel, they told her, and all were sorry, but no one seemed responsible. They had been kind in their rough way, those companions of her brother. They had stayed and done all that was necessary, had dug the grave, and stood about their comrade in good-natured grimness, marching in order about him, to give the last look, but, when the sister tried to utter the prayer she knew her mother would have spoken. Her throat refused to make a sound, and her tongue cleaved to the roof of her mouth. She had taken sudden refuge in the little shed that was her own room, and there had stayed till the rough companions had taken away the still form of the only one left in the family circle. In silence the funeral train wound its way to the spot where the others were buried. They respected her tearless grief, these great, passionate, uncontrolled young men, They held in the rude jokes, with which they would have taken the awesomeness from the occasion for themselves, and for the most part kept the way silently and gravely, now and then looking back with admiration to the slim girl with the stony face and unblinking eyes who followed them mechanically. They had felt that someone ought to do something, but no one knew exactly what, and so they walked silently. Only one, the hardest and boldest. The ringleader of the company ventured back to ask whether there was anything he could do for her, anything she would like to have done, but she answered him coldly, with a no, that cut him to the quick. It had been a good deal for him to do, this touch of gentleness he had forced himself into. He turned from her, with a wicked gleam of intent in his eyes, but she did not see it. When the rude ceremony was over, the last clod was heaped upon the pitiful mound, and the relentless words dust to dust had been murmured by one more daring than the rest they turned and looked at the girl who had all the time stood upon a mound of earth and watched them as a statue of misery might look down upon the world they could not make her out this silent marble girl they hoped now she would change it was over they felt an untold relief themselves from the fact that their reckless gay comrade was no longer lying cold and still among them. They were done with him. They had paid their last tribute, and wished to forget. He must settle his own account with the hereafter now. They had enough in their own lives, without the burden of his. Then there had swept up into the girl's face one gleam of life that made her beautiful for the instant, and she had bowed to them with a slow, almost haughty inclination of her head, and spread out her hands like one who would like to bless but dared not, and said clearly, I thank you, all. There had been just a slight hesitation before that last word, all, as if she were not quite sure, as her eyes rested upon the ringleader with doubt and dislike. Then her lips had hardened, as if justice must be done, and she had spoken it, all, and turning, sped away to her cabin alone. They were taken by surprise those men who feared nothing in the wild and primitive west and for a moment they watched her go in silence then the words that broke upon the air were not all pleasant to hear and if the girl could have known she would have sped far faster and her cheeks would have burned a brighter red than they did but one the boldest the ringleader said nothing his brows darkened "'and the wicked gleam came and sat in his hard eyes with a green light. "'He drew a little apart from the rest and walked on more rapidly. "'When he came to the place where they had left their horses, "'he took his and went on toward the cabin "'with a look that did not invite the others to follow. "'As their voices died away in the distance "'and he drew nearer to the cabin, his eyes gleamed with cunning. "'The girl in the cabin worked rapidly.' one by one she took the boxes on which the rude coffin of her brother had rested and threw them far out the back door she straightened the furniture around fiercely as if by erasing every sign she would force from memory the thought of the scenes that had just passed she took her brother's coat that hung against the wall and an old pipe from the mantel and hid them in the room that was hers then she looked about for something else to be done a shadow darkened the sunny doorway looking up she saw the man she believed to be her brother's murderer i came back bess to see if i could do anything for you the tone was kind but the girl involuntarily put her hand to her throat and caught her breath she would like to speak out and tell him what she thought but she dared not she did not even dare let her thought appear in her eyes The dull, statue-like look came over her face that she had worn at the grave. The man thought it was the stupefaction of grief. "'I told you I didn't want any help,' she said, trying to speak in the same tone she had used when she thanked the men. "'Yes, but you're all alone,' said the man insinuatingly. She felt a menace in the thought. "'And I am sorry for you.' He came nearer, but her face was cold, instinctively she glanced to the cupboard door behind which lay her brother's belt with two pistols you're very kind she forced herself to say but i'd rather be alone now it was hard to speak so when she would have liked to dash on him and call down curses for the death of her brother but she looked into his evil face and a fear for herself worse than death stole into her heart he took encouragement from her gentle dignity where did she get that manner so imperial she born in a mountain cabin and bred on the wilds how could she speak with an accent so different from those about her the brother was not so not so much so the mother had been plain and quiet he had not known her father for he had lately come to this state in hiding from another he wondered with his wide knowledge of the world over her wild haughty beauty and gloated over it he liked to think just what worth was within his easy grasp a prize for the taking and here alone unprotected but it ain't good for you to be alone you know and i've come to protect you besides you need cheering up little girl he came closer i love you Bess, you know and i'm going to take care of you now you're all alone poor little girl he was so near that she almost felt his breath against her cheek she faced him desperately growing white to the lips. Was there nothing on earth or in heaven to save her? Mother, father, brother, all gone. Ah, could she but have known that the quarrel which ended her wild young brother's life had been about her? Perhaps pride in him would have solved her grief and choked her horror. While she watched the green lights play in the evil eyes above her, she gathered all the strength of her young life into one effort— and schooled herself to be calm she controlled her involuntary shrinking from the man only drew herself back gently as a woman with wider experience and gentler breeding might have done remember she said that my brother just lay there dead and she pointed to the empty centre of the room the dramatic attitude was almost a condemnation to the guilty man before her he drew back as if the sheriff had entered the room and looked instinctively to where the coffin had been but a short time before, then laughed nervously and drew himself together. The girl caught her breath and took courage. She had held him for a minute. Could she not hold him longer? Think, said she, he is but just buried. It is not right to talk of such things as love in this room where he has just gone out. You must leave me alone for a little while. I cannot talk and think now. We must respect the dead, you know." She looked appealingly at him, acting her part desperately, but well. It was as if she were trying to charm a lion or an insane man. He stood admiring her. She argued well. He was half-minded to humor her, for somehow, when she spoke of the dead, he could see the gleam in her brother's eyes just before he shot him. Then there was promise in this wooing. She was no girl to be lightly won after all she could hold her own and perhaps she would be the better for having her way for a little at any rate there was more excitement in such game she saw that she was gaining and her breath came freer go she said with a flickering smile go for a little while and then she tried to smile again he made a motion to take her in his arms and kiss her but she drew back suddenly and spread her hands before her motioning him back i tell you you must not now go go or i will never speak to you again he looked into her eyes and seemed to feel a power that he must obey half sullenly he drew back toward the door but bess this ain't the way to treat a fellow he whined i came way back here to take care of you i tell you i love you and i'm going to have you there ain't any other fellow going to run off with you stop she cried tragically don't you see you're not doing right my brother is just dead i must have some time to mourn it is only decent she was standing now with her back to the little cupboard behind whose door lay the two pistols her hand was behind her on the wooden latch you don't respect my trouble she said catching her breath and putting her hand to her eyes i don't believe you care for me when you don't do what i say the man was held at bay He was almost conquered by her sign of tears it was a new phase of her to see her melt into weakness so he was charmed how long must i stay away he faltered she could scarcely speak so desperate she felt oh if she dared but say forever and shouted at him she was desperate enough to try her chances at shooting him if she but had the pistols and was sure they were loaded a desperate chance indeed against the best shot in the pacific coast and a desperado at that she pressed her hands to her throbbing temples and tried to think at last she faltered out three days he swore beneath his breath and his brows drew down in heavy frowns that were not good to see she shuddered at what it would be to be in his power forever, how he would play with her and toss her aside or kill her perhaps when he was tired of her her life on the mountain had made her familiar with evil characters he came a step nearer and she felt she was losing ground straightening up she said coolly you must go away at once and not think of coming back at least until tomorrow night go with wonderful control she smiled at him one frantic brilliant smile and to her great wonder he drew back at the door he paused a softened look upon his face mayn't i kiss you before i go she shuddered involuntarily but put out her hands in protest again not tonight she shook her head and tried to smile he thought he understood her but turned away half satisfied then she heard his step coming back to the door again and she went to meet him he must not come in she had gained in sending him out if she could but close the door fast it was in the doorway that she faced him, as he stood with one foot ready to enter again. The crafty look was out upon his face plainly now, and in the sunlight she could see it. "'You will be all alone to-night.' "'I am not afraid, calmly, and no one will trouble me. Don't you know what they say about the spirit of a man?' She stopped. She had almost said, "'A man who has been murdered.' "'Coming back to his home the first night after he is buried.' It was her last frantic effort the man before her trembled and looked around nervously you better come away tonight with me he said edging away from the door see the sun is going down you must go now she said imperiously and reluctantly the man mounted his restless horse and rode away down the mountain she watched him silhouetted against the blood-red globe of the sun as it sank lower and lower she could see every outline of his slouch hat and muscular shoulders as he turned now and then and saw her standing still alone at her cabin door why he was going he could not tell but he went and he frowned as he rode away with the wicked gleam still in his eye for he meant to return at last he disappeared and the girl turning looked up and there rode the white ghost of the moon overhead she was alone End of chapter 1